So, of course, continuing through uh, this passage in Ephesians, I know you might think, wow, how are we going to get through so many verses today uh, in one shot? We haven't done more than like six or seven throughout all of Ephesians, and now we've got got a lot to do, so we're going to keep you here for a while. Um, But we're talking about marriage, obviously, as you listen to the Scripture or you read along with the Scripture, and some of you guys uh, might think, well, I'm not married, Greg's sharing with us all this morning. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) You might think, well, I'm not married, and so how does this apply? Well, it's the word of God, and maybe you're not married yet, and it's something that you can look forward to and you can learn from, and you could dig into these scriptures with us and see how God might prepare your heart to be a husband or a wife. Further... It's all summed up here, and we're going to dig into it a little further, but it is all summed up to tell us that this is speaking of Christ and the church, the relationship, the love relationship between Christ and the church. And, and, and there's such a difference in the way that the world looks at marriage and the way that the church should look at marriage, and the world would look at marriage in a negative way, right? And many of you maybe still are looking at marriage in a negative way. With the idea that, well, it's, you know, it's the old ball and chain, right? Isn't that the way that people would, would identify marriage? But listen, as the church, we are to celebrate marriage. The Bible gives us a, a beautiful picture here of this comparison and the similarities between marriage and the love relationship between God and his church. It's a blessing. That relationship with God is a blessing, and the relationship in marriage is a blessing. And we need to be reminded of that, that we should be celebrating marriage and not dreading it. And some some of you, maybe in this place, in this room today, or listening online, maybe you have some real trouble in your marriage. And maybe you're even thinking, it's too late. It's gone too far. But I want to just challenge you and encourage you with this. It's never too late for redemption. The work of redemption is real. And God is always able to redeem. And I I, I say this to you as we're challenged in the scripture here to make steps. Take proper steps to put one foot in front of the other. To move forward and see God redeem and restore your marriages that might be in some of the most terrible places. God is able. And so this passage here in Ephesians 5, it's a very common passage that would be spoken, at, you know, taught at a, a marriage retreat or marriage conference, or a couple's weekend of sorts. Uh, and so, but we have the privilege that here that we've been studying through Ephesians, and this is where we land In Ephesians 5, on this passage in marriage, uh, that we also have led up to it here in Ephesians 5 with walking in love, walking in light, and walking in wisdom. These are some essential starting points for the individual, right? Before marriage, we are to walk in love, we're to walk in light, we're to walk in wisdom, walking in this love relationship with Jesus Christ, dwelling in the light, because listen, you will be exposed, right? We studied that. 
We saw how I mean, the light just will expose the darkness and we need more light in our lives to expose the darkness in our lives so that we then can be a light to expose the darkness in the world. These are all building blocks to marriage, to preparation for it, right? And listen, when you're married, the things that you don't want to be exposed are oftentimes exposed, right? Just preparing you for marriage. Walking in wisdom, probably some of the best advice and best prep work for marriage is to walk in wisdom. Why? Well, as it says here, as we studied last week, because the days are evil, Let's stop there for a moment. The days are evil. So what is that leading us up to, preparing us for in marriage? We said it a few weeks ago. Listen, the world is coming after our kids, right? So the days being evil, we have to prepare for that as parents. But first, we have to prepare for that in marriage. And what's happening in the world? There is an attack on marriage. Divorce. God hates it, yet so many divorces. And, and you know, for, I, I'd like to say that, you know, well, it's 50%, 50-50 that marriages end in divorce in the world. I'd love to say that was only a statistic of the world, but guys, it's also the same statistic for the church. Even in the church, believers Marriages, 50% of the time, end in divorce. This is not God's plan. This is not God's way. And the attacks on marriage that we would, we would say, well, it's divorce. Well, it's not just divorce, is it? It's immorality that might lead to divorce. How about even, it's this gender identity issue in society today, and it's the issue of homosexuality in society today. Yeah, I said it. That is an attack on proper biblical marriage. The Bible's very clear. We're going to get further into that today. All of these things distort God's plan for marriage. All of these things distort God's plan for the family which then distorts our view of the love relationship between Christ and the church. It messes up our our idea of who God is. It distorts the plan that God has for redemption in the world. So verse 21 then tells us, and that, that kind of brings us to a summation of the previous passage, but then connects us to this passage. It's submitting to one another in the fear of the Lord. So what do we do in the midst of all of the, the difficulty and the attack on marriage in the world? And, and again, I say to you, anyone who is not married, would you please learn from this and celebrate godly marriages in the world, in the church today? Celebrate with us. Encourage that. We should be encouraging godly marriage. So then what do we do? We walk in the spirit. What does it say here? Walk in the spirit. Do not be drunk with wine. Glorify the Lord. Edify one another. And now submit to one another. Uh Uh-oh. We don't like that word. Submit. It's like a little dagger, like submit. No, that means I've got to humble myself. Yes, it does. This is a part that we'd like to skip over, and we'd like to get right into verse 22, wouldn't we, husbands? 
Can we just talk about wives submitting to their husbands? Well, first we see that we, as we're filled with the Holy Spirit, would be submitting to one another in the fear of the Lord. It's important that we lay this groundwork here. Being filled with the Holy Spirit, the natural fruit is submission to one another, which is giving preference to one another. Or it really means to defer. Yeah, I want to I honor you instead of myself. And that comes, guys, from the fear of the Lord. Proper submission comes from proper reverence to God. Recognizing this, that God is actually the one that we honor through our submission to one another. It's actually not about the other person, and that's going to lead us into wives submitting to their husbands, right? So guys, here's the key to marriage, if you want to know. I've got it figured out. I've been married almost 16 years, and I've got it all figured out. Here's the key. You don't talk to my wife later. She'll tell you otherwise. <laughs> I don't have it all figured out. I want to make that very clear, okay? (laughs) I press on. But here is the key that really Paul gives us. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. If only it were that easy. If only it were that easy. We'd be filled with the Holy Spirit to make no provision for the flesh. But the biggest problem in our marriages is the flesh comes out, doesn't it? The the, the things of darkness are easily exposed, right? So you see the building blocks of this passage, of this whole chapter in Ephesians 5. But if we're filled with the Holy Spirit, then submission and the fear of the Lord will naturally follow. So then, of course, Paul directly addresses marriage here in verses 22 to 33. And he says, first of all, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Simply put, because it demonstrates faith. It is a demonstration of your faith. It's not about your husband. It's about your relationship with Jesus Christ. And that's what we want to constantly remind ourselves of throughout this passage in application for each one of us individually that we might be submitted to one another, that wives might be submitted to the Lord, that husbands might love their wives. All of these things bring us back to, it's not about the other person, it's about being filled with the Holy Spirit and walking in that love relationship with Jesus Christ. It demonstrates faith. Now this verse is oftentimes standing alone in people's uh, diaries, especially the husbands, right? They don't have diaries, let's be real. (laughs) But we like to remember that. We like to, to take note of it. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. And because it oftentimes stands alone, it is taken out of context. But you see, we've already built up some framework for it, haven't we? In being filled with the Holy Spirit. It doesn't stand alone. And if we read it just as it is, it sounds unfair, doesn't it? It sounds chauvinistic, doesn't it? And you ladies are like, yes, it does, absolutely. But it's not unfair. It's not chauvinistic. 
because it does not stand alone. There's more clarity that comes from the previous verses that sets the groundwork, the foundation, calling us to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And, now, and then there's also many verses that follow, and there's a lot more challenge for the husbands here in this passage than for the wives. The men are called out, and we're going to get to you in a few moments. But it does say, wives, submit. And I want to say this. Look at it this way, that women, wives, this is a high calling. Submission is a high calling. Don't look at it as a negative thing. This is a high calling to faith and submission and love. It's a blessing, actually. Two words in this passage will dominate this section here, submission and love, and we're going to talk a lot about these things, but these two words would point us directly to Jesus and the love relationship that we have with him. And thinking about Jesus, who was submitted to the will of the Father when he hung on a cross, who poured out his love and is the example of love that we're going to get further into. But it says, wives, submit to your own husband. The word husband here translates in the Greek to man. So wives, submit to your own man, your own man. This is not a word that women are to be in subjection to men in society. That is something that has been pushed out there, and that would be chauvinistic, wouldn't it? But here it says, wives, submit to your own husbands. Now, the word man also clears some things up for us in biblical marriage, doesn't it? Between husband and wife, between man and woman, that's what marriage is, nothing else. There is no legislation in the world that can change the word of God and God's design and God's plan for marriage, God's plan to make the world go round, to be fruitful and multiply. This is how it's done. So yeah, we should all be celebrating marriage because this is God's perfect plan. Don't get mad at me, it's in the Bible, okay? So wives, this is a high calling, to submit as unto the Lord, as to the Lord. Now listen, here's some ways that we can misinterpret this. It's not submitting to your husband and treating him as Lord, right? Husbands think, yeah, submit as unto the Lord. So as you submit to the Lord, you also submit to me the same way with that same honor and glorification. No, not treating him as Lord and not submitting only when you think that you should. When you think that he's properly in line with the ways of the Lord. But submit because it is an expression of your submission to God. It's not just for your husband. It's for the Lord. That's what it's talking about. Submit to your own husband as to the Lord is you're submitting to the Lord in your submission to your husband. As I said now a couple times, it is a high calling and it is a demonstration 
of faith. That's why the decision on who you marry, ladies, is so important also. So here's a word for you who are not yet married. It's so important. The question is not, do you think he's cute? The question is not, do you think you can get along? The question is, do you think you can submit? Can you submit to God in that marriage? Martin Lloyd-Jones says it this way, there can be no more compelling motive for any action than this. And every Christian wife who is concerned about everything else to please the Lord Jesus Christ will find no difficulty in this passage. Indeed, it will be her greatest delight to do what the Apostle Paul tells us here. Ladies, let your motive be faith. Let your motive be submission to God. Verse 23, we continue, for the husband is the head of the wife, and also, as also Christ is head of the church, and he is the savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. So now we ask the question, why? Right, ladies, why submit? Out of obedience to God, we've established that. But now further, because, says the husband is the head. God is did, in fact, create order to the family. He created man first at the beginning and then woman, and he gave man dominion over the land, over the animals, and then said, I'm going to bring a helper because he couldn't do it alone. Don't we know it? Now, this doesn't mean as the head he gets to do what he wants and the wife has to follow and the wife has to deal with it. We're going to get to some more instruction for you husbands here in a moment. But this is why, wives, you're to submit. It's submission to the Lord further because God did create this order for the family. This was his desire Another reason why to submit here is that it is a picture of Christ in the church. So submitting to your husband's wives is submitting to the picture, the relationship between Christ and the church. This is the greatest accountability. It's a picture of Christ in the church. So guys, in the church, remember we talked about all these things that are not fitting Specifically, divorce is not fitting. But see, all the other things that we've talked about the last few weeks, sexual immorality, that leads to divorce, doesn't it? Various sorts of immorality in individual lives leads to major problems in marriages and even divorce in the church. And Paul has been telling us all along, it doesn't fit it doesn't look good on the church, and now this is what we continue in. And, and wives, a lack of submission, it doesn't fit because it's not submitting to God. It is a high level of accountability for us. And here, Martin Lloyd-Jones has another quote here, sums it up very well. He says, we can sum it up 
thus. The teaching is that the initiative and the leadership are ultimately the husband's, but the action must always be coordinated. This is the meaning of this picture, coordinated action but leadership in the head. There is no sense of inferiority suggested by this passage. The wife is not inferior to her husband. She is different. Remember that. We're very different. Let's be real, okay? Men and women are very different, and it should be that way. We praise God for that. But imagine, and I say this all the time in talking about marriages, Two totally different, totally independent, totally sinful people are called to become one. What makes us think that we can do it in our flesh? So we rewind and we say, oh, we have to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And as I often say, but wait, there's more. It doesn't end there. Men, we might like it to, but it does not end there. Wives, you may still think it's not fair. Well, for one, the idea of fairness is filtered by our sinful minds and a lack of submission and not properly filtered through submission to God. That's the only time we think it's not fair. If we want to talk about fairness, let's just be reminded of Christ who hung on a cross. But it does come back to submission to God. And it does take great faith. And as Peter even says about that great faith, as Sarah submitted to Abraham, even when Abraham was leading her astray, she still did. And that great faith wins in the end. Continuing verse 25, now we call out the husbands. Husbands, love your wives. Just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. Husbands, love your wives. This verse keeps the husbands in check. Verse 24, 22, 23, 24, it doesn't stand alone. This verse 25 keeps the husbands in check, as does the rest of this passage. Wives, you can submit to God through marriage and submitting to your husbands because God has got your back. He's got you covered. Verse 25 tells you that. And so often in society in general, we think it's not fair. Bible tells wives to submit. Yeah, well, the Bible tells husbands to love. And let's talk about what that is because God, ladies, wives, God has got your back here. When he's calling husbands to love, let's dig into it here. He keeps the husbands in check. The word love here is actually the word agape. It's not one of these other loves, right, of of feeling. It is agape love. This is the highest form of love that husbands are called to. This is the highest calling. Husbands, listen. This is a high calling. Agape is the word that we would use to describe the love of God for us. 
And now Ephesians 5 says, husbands agape your wives. That's not possible. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. It makes it possible. It is the highest calling. This kind of love, the word agape, really speaks of a decision and a commitment. Decisive commitment. That's what this love is. And here's what it looks like. Just as Christ loved the church and gave himself. The highest standard of love. So we have this high calling. High calling to love. Now the highest standard of love. Agape. And then it's a picture of Christ. It's the highest standard of love that is Christ who died on the cross and gave himself. He is the greatest example of love. And husbands, that's how you, how we are called to love our wives. It is sacrificial love. It's giving. As Christ gave himself, it is giving love, not taking love. It's selfless love not selfish. It's unconditional love, not based on feeling or interaction. How often do we base our love for one another on the current interaction with each other? Because that's all about feelings. I feel as though you offended me, therefore I'm angry at you and I'm gonna give you a hard time. This puts you in the crazy cycle like a washing machine that's off balance, right? You're like, oh man, just crazy. It doesn't work. Husbands will say, I'll love you if you respect me. And wives say, I'll respect you if you love me. Men, husbands, listen. This love is only giving. It's only sacrificial. It's a persistent and it's a constant love. It never ends and it never stops. Keeps going, keeps going. You see here the proper view of this headship, of this love. The, world, the worldly view of headship looks at it only as authority where you must take orders from me and do what I want. But the biblical view, the godly view of headship looks at this not as authority, but as responsibility, where I must honor you, care for you, and serve you. Verse 26, then we continue, that he may, he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of the water by the word. And further, this is what that love should look like, to sanctify and to cleanse, to be presentable, right? With this washing of the water of the word. What we're talking specifically about proclaiming the word of God to your wives. Husbands, are you doing it? And you might think you're fulfilling all the great areas of, of being a good husband, and think, oh, I'm a good guy, and I do all these great things. Are you washing your wife in the water of the word of God? Are you proclaiming the word of God to your wife? I tell you what, guys, this is, in our 15 plus years of marriage, it's one of the hardest things to maintain. 
because we easily get distracted and we easily make the excuses of all the distractions. Oh, we don't have time. We got to get the kids to bed. We got to do all this stuff. We got to clean the house. We got to be ready for tomorrow. And then it's like. (sighs) We put so much focus on so many other things in marriage. But here's the first thing that follows Submit, wives submit, husbands love, and here's how you do it. Wash her in the water of the word. It's not her responsibility. It's your responsibility. You want her to submit, start reading the Bible to her. Encouraging her in this proclamation of the word of God. Taking real interest and your wife's spiritual growth through the word of God. I like to say this to men, to husbands, if our wives are lacking, then we are slacking in the word of God. Remember that. It's our responsibility. It's not an authoritative headship. It's a responsibility to lead and to love and to minister and to pour out. That verse 27, he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish through the washing of the water of the word. That's regenerating, as Titus says. Same word there. It's cleansing like new. That she is made then presentable. A picture again here is given of Christ and the church, that he, Christ, cleanses us and makes us acceptable, clothed in his righteousness. Husbands, again, this is a high level of accountability that we would act as the priest of the home. The priest in his responsibility would to bring forth a cleansing to, make, to bring a, a presentable offering before the Lord. And so this is a high calling for us to act as the priest of the home, presenting our wives, presenting our marriage, presenting our family, our household as pleasing to God through what? The washing of the water of the word of God. Not having spot or wrinkle. When we are joined together, with Christ on that wedding day, we are then clothed in his righteousness. That's the picture, and that is such a high level of accountability for us. 28, we continue. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. Husbands, you take care of yourselves, don't you? There's so much more here that the husband is called to. Yes, you're to love your wife, but here's how you do it. Washing the water of the word. Further, it's oneness. 
To, that's what he's talking about here. To love your wife as your own body is speaking of a oneness. A demonstration of faith, is, is just as much as it's a demonstration of faith for women to submit, wives to submit to their husbands, it's a demonstration of faith for husbands to love their wives in this way, washing them in the water of the word and leading the charge in oneness. So often... In marriages, it's the other way around. That the wives are saying, hey, why don't you take me on a date? Why don't you spend time with me? Why don't you, right? And the husbands are oftentimes independent, doing their own thing, but the responsibility is on the husband to maintain and to lead the charge in oneness as it is a picture of our oneness with Christ. And when we lack in oneness in marriage, then we are misrepresenting the love of Jesus Christ. And this answers the question of why we love our wives. Because it's the highest calling that would make marriage succeed. We've talked about this. Because it's a picture of Christ, but because here we are one as your own body, as you would care for yourself, as you would put yourself first, don't do that. Love your wife that way. Because you are one. Twenty-eight. Or we continue then, 29, for no one has ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. So there's this picture of Christ in the church, and Christ loves the church and nourishes and cherishes the church because that is his body. And so we have that picture in marriage. As Christ treats the church, which is his body, we treat our wives, which actually are our body. We are one To love your wife as part of yourself. Not to be detached from her. This union, this unity between husband and wife should influence all of our thinking. We are one and it glorifies Christ and it's a picture of Christ. As I said, far too often husbands and wives act independent from each other. But husbands, it's our responsibility to focus on this oneness. Making sure, all through it, making sure not to look at one more important than the other or getting caught up in competition based on my needs. Husbands, our responsibility is to give. He who loves his wife, it says, loves himself. Listen, it's simple. If you love your wife, it will benefit you. It will go well with you if you neglect your wife. Then you neglect yourself. That's on husbands. Just as Christ does the church, shifting these gears here to the oneness of Christ in the church, in relationship to be like him, to love like he loves, through his death and through his resurrection, as Ephesians speaks so much about how we experience this oneness is by the riches of God's grace and mercy. 
That's the picture of all of it. And this whole outworking in our lives of, in being filled with the Holy Spirit is all based on God's economy, the riches of his grace and mercy, that we have the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, a well that never runs dry in which we can continue to remain under the influence of the Holy Spirit that it might influence our marriages. And, and next week, we're gonna begin to get into more of the family in parenting, we need the Holy Spirit to influence these areas of, of our lives. Without it, that we can expect it's not going to go, go well with us. Without washing in the water of the word, without maintaining this beautiful oneness that God has ordained between husband and wife, then we can expect that it's not going to go well for us. We experience oneness through his grace and his mercy. Verse 30, we continue. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother, be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. So this whole passage is to point us back to Christ. And that Christ would point us back to oneness in our marriages. The relationship between Jesus and the church speaks to us about marriage, and the marriage relationship speaks to us about the relationship between Jesus and the church. It's a beautiful cycle. And summing it up here to make clear the oneness we have with Christ and the oneness that husbands have uh, between husband and wife Paul sums it all up. He says, this is a great mystery. But I speak concerning Christ and the church, meaning that what he's quoting here is Genesis chapter two, verse 24, when he says, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother, be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. We're talking, of course, about this oneness between husband and wife, but now what he's saying is actually going back to, this is a great mystery, but going all the way back to Genesis, going all the way back to the beginning, when God said that the two shall become one flesh, he's like, you know what? We're not just talking about marriage there. God wasn't just addressing marriage. In fact, the bigger picture. And that's what we have to recognize, guys. Our marriages are to reflect the bigger picture, which is Christ and the church. This whole passage leads us up to this and is summed up well in this, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Remember that Christ and the church is what we focus on as we talk about marriage. They both teach us greatly about each other in submission, in love, and in oneness. I said already here to wives, submission is a high calling. To husbands, love and oneness is a high calling. I say to all of you, marriage is a high calling because it's a picture of Christ in the church. And when we have issues in our marriage and we're at each other 
and we're operating in the flesh and we're not being filled and refilled with the Holy Spirit, then we're misrepresenting Christ in the church. We're misrepresenting that love relationship between Christ and the church. Marriage is a, a high calling and it's a high level of accountability. And some of you might be here thinking, well, I'm already married and now you're telling me it's a high calling. Couldn't you have told me that a long time ago? I said it in the beginning, guys, it's not too late. It is never too late because of the blood of Jesus Christ. Because we speak concerning Christ and the church, that means there is always redemption. We're not just talking about two people trying to get along. And that's what you might be striving for, and that's your problem. We're talking about Christ and the church. We're talking about the blood of Jesus. We're talking about love relationship between God and man. And there is a plan for redemption. Be filled with the Holy Spirit to bring forth that redemption. Marriage is perhaps the greatest picture that we have of the love relationship between God and man. And the enemy attacks marriage greatly. As I said in the beginning, to distort our view of God's love, of God's proper plan, of God's proper order for the family, which then distorts our view of Christ and the church. So here in Cornerstone Church, would we have marriages that would reflect the image of Christ? That would reflect Christ and the church in such a way that those who aren't married are seeing Christ through our marriages? This is a high calling. So then Paul gives a final instruction to make sure that we do our best, essentially, to get marriage right. Because your marriage is a representation of Christ in the church, let's just sum it up and make sure we get it right. And it's summed up here. He says, nevertheless, let each one of you, in particular, so love his own wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. And nevertheless, it's to say, okay, come on back. Come on back to this thought, let's sum it up. Let each of you, meaning all of you, meaning husbands and wives, everybody listen up is what he's saying. Focus on and follow through with these things. Husbands, love his own wife as himself. Stressing again the oneness between husband and wife. That is the husband's responsibility. That is accomplished through sacrificial love, the highest form of love. And let the wife see that she respects her husband. That word translates to reverence, which means to defer to him and allow God to do the work. It's submission to God. It's a demonstration of faith. The essential here for husbands and wives is love and respect. It boils down to these two words. It's not possible 
unless we are being filled with the Holy Spirit. Rewind yourself to these verses in verse 15 to 20 that we studied last week that talks all about being filled with the Holy Spirit, to be continually filled with the Holy Spirit. That's the only way that we have success in our marriage. That's the only way that we give this glorious, beautiful picture of Christ in the church. Be filled with the Holy Spirit and allow the Spirit to do the work in you. Speaking to all of you individuals who are not married, allow the Holy Spirit to do the work in you to see Christ in all of this. And now for husbands and wives, be filled and allow the Spirit to work in you and in your marriage. That's the only way to redeem and to restore. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for these challenges in your word today. Move in our hearts, God. We pray that you would fill us with your spirit and that you would redeem and restore marriages among us. Lord, we love you. We thank you for the picture that marriage is of Christ and the church. We thank you for the picture it is of the love of Jesus Christ. And as we're reminded of that, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, I wanna give you that invitation today, that opportunity to put your trust in him. To know this, that he loves you so much, he died on the cross for your sins. He rose from the dead. He ascended to heaven. And he desires fellowship with you, desires a relationship with you. So would you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior today? If you wanna do that, I'm gonna lead you in a prayer. Simple prayer of a proclamation of faith. Say, dear Jesus, you can pray with me if you need to pray this prayer. If you've never received Jesus as your Savior, you can pray this prayer. Say, dear Jesus, I confess that I'm a sinner. And I believe in you. I believe you're the Son of God, that you died on the cross for my sins that you rose from the dead. I put my trust in you. I ask you to come into my life and change me. Make me new. In Jesus' name, amen.